this is Andrew. This is Peter. And you're listening to the PhysioFit Podcast. Israel here today coming to you with the PhysioFit podcast. Today I'm joined with the lovely Kate. How are you going, Kate? Good. Um, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast today. And um, look, we just want to get to know the team here and we're just working our way through the rounds of just uh, interviewing all of you guys and just um, learning a little bit more about you. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you first get into physiotherapy? Uh, I was thinking about this last night and I really can't remember exactly what made me decide to be a physio. I do remember that I applied the night before uh, applications close because I was working um, bar manager type job at the time wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my career but I knew I wanted to, to go into health um, honestly I think it had a lot to do with being a runner having injuries and wanting to help people like me but I didn't want to deal with blood so I had to be a physio not a surgeon yeah. I'm not good with blood <laughs> yeah so how long have you been into running for uh, I've been running for I think 12 years now so since high school days uh, on and off because I've had injuries along the way yeah uh, so what sort of uh, distances do you like to cover yourself? Are you like a long distance, middle distance sort of runner? Currently, um, heading towards 16 kilometer trail runs. Okay. So, but until yep. now, I've been doing 10s and 7s. Yeah. So I'm heading up to more of those high level ones. But I won't do that till like mid next year. Yeah. And then potentially, I might give the half marathon a go only because my mum's already done it and I feel like I need to do it now. Yeah, your mum's <laughs> a pretty good runner. My mum's a ridiculously good runner. She's really fit. And um, she kind of inspired me with all the running stuff as well because she had she struggled with so many injuries too. And the whole time I was going through uni, she was just like, oh, can you help me with this now? And, you know, you do because you, you just help family, um, especially when you're learning stuff and you're like, oh, I can practice on you. And yeah. now she comes here and everyone looks after her for me. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That's, that's, that's probably like such a good feeling, hey? It's so good. <laughs> uh, so what have been like uh, like – have you done any like running competitions or like running challenges that um you know like are really memorable to you or that you feel pretty accomplished from uh, having finished my first city to bay was probably the big one yeah um in the years before that i'd had a really um bad like uh illness but i was just really unwell for quite a few months um to the point where like going up a set of stairs puffed me out so it was yeah. not particularly nice um and then i really struggled getting back into running after that because oh, there's a lot of fear-based stuff there going like oh what if it happens again what if i feel unwell again what if i end up in hospital again um but i eventually got past all that with the help of uh, my awesome training partner aka my mum. <laughs> and uh, when i did my first city today just finishing it was the greatest feeling ever but we both sort of went way too hard in the start. So we finished the first six kilometers in 21 minutes and then we were just cooked for the rest of the run. But like, so it wasn't the greatest run, but it was awesome to have done it. I was like, yes, yeah. I did it. Yeah, that's I was cool. very proud of myself. And yeah. what, are, what are maybe some trails or things like that that are like on the bucket list at the moment for you? Oh, I think, so I've done Kaipo and I did Crawford this year as well. I missed out on Devil's Nose, which was uh, I think four or five weeks ago. Um, I think I want to do Kaipo again and this time do it a little bit better. So. I was I went into trail running this year without any sort of times in mind or any of that kind of stuff because it's new to me. So I just kind of wanted to focus on the actual running and getting used to it. And I got 61 minutes, I think, because I didn't realize how close I was to the finish. Yeah, so I okay. so could have gotten sub 60, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, ah. Oh. So I think I'd, I want to do that one again and do the 10Ks and see if I can better my time, which I should be able to because I've been doing a lot of strength training to try and get that. Yeah. So um, maybe let's like let's just dive into that a little, a little bit. So like, mm. how you know what sort of strength training do you do yourself for your running? Uh, so for my running, it's mostly uh, gym based stuff or home exercise 
based stuff with uh, power bands and a lot of single leg training. So like single leg glute bridge, single leg squat, single leg deadlift, lots of single leg training because realistically that's what running is. It's a bunch of single leg uh, movements after one after the other. Yeah, so that's like a pretty good, um, I guess, maybe takeaway for people who maybe are training mm, right now. Get around strength training. <laughs> like um, maybe they're not doing any single leg training. Mm. Yeah. And like start with basics. Like if you if you can't balance on one leg, work on that first yeah. and then build up from there. And try the double leg versions. So once you get good at double legs, so like double leg bridge, then try a single leg bridge and then add challenge to that. So at the moment I'm doing a single leg bridge with my foot on an exercise ball. But I don't recommend you try that until you're, you're ready for it. Yeah, so don't jump straight into that. <laughs> don't jump straight into that one. No, no. Um, yeah, I know you also have a, you do like some other sort of like training stuff as well. Are you still into some of your, um, aerial and stuff? Yeah. yeah. So I have recently stopped aerial to focus on my running, but for the last, I think essentially like two years, I was doing aerial acrobatics, like silks and hoop, similar to what, um, Pink did when she was performing, but no one near as good as Pink. I can't sing at the same time. Um, I found that really challenging because it was very upper body based work and I wasn't used to that at all because I'd, I'd been a rower before and a runner so it's all lower body and then I went into this upper body sport and was just like what am I doing um, again I hurt myself badly doing that fell four meters and tore a hamstring oh wow caught the silk because so I was lucky I didn't actually hit the ground but had a bit of a hamstring issue after that and was a bit sort of worried about it. it's fine with running but still still weak so I'm still working on building that back up again yeah and then might consider going back next year yeah so how does how does somebody get into like silks and hoops and stuff like that so I went to the fringe so the fringe show for um uh, it was aerial artists Adelaide I went to their fringe show saw what they were doing I was just like oh I totally could do that and the person I was sitting next to was like nah man that requires so much strength and it, like the minute someone tells me I can't do something I'm going to go do it. Yeah. So I went, I found where they were, signed up, started doing it. Um, I performed mid to end of last year, I think it was. Okay, that's yeah, my yeah. first performance. And that was after the hamstring tear too. So that in itself was an accomplishment. But I've also made quite a lot of friends through that group and I treat a lot of aerialists and acrobatics um, now because I have that understanding of the sport because it is a really weird sport. Like yeah. if you went into any, you know, typical physio and said, oh, my back hurts when I'm in like a full bend, they'd be like, well, maybe don't do that. Whereas it's like a requirement for that sport. So we have to work with them to establish strength in very weird positions. Yeah. Yeah. So, like how does like, I guess when you first start, you know, training that sort of stuff, like mm. what, where, do, where, do, where do you begin? Like what are the first sort of things? Do you start with like silks or hoops? Like... I started with silk, so you can start, like, they've got beginner classes for both, so you can start with um, beginner silks or beginner hoop. I did both at the time, um, but when I started silks, it was it was very much just practicing climbing. So, yeah, like, yeah. literally hands-on silk and learning how to climb up a silk, similar to how you do a rope, uh, rope climb in, like, CrossFit and stuff, but it's much easier, I yeah. think. Well, it's okay. easier now. Yeah. I have challenged someone to a rope climb on... Um, at CrossFit and I beat them. So okay. maybe maybe six is harder. Maybe, yeah. No, I think, I think the civil looks a lot more challenging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I guess just getting used to going up and down and then yeah. from there, like, like how do you, is it, do you learn different movements and then you try and mix them together? Yeah, or? so you learn different skills in, like, safe environments. So, like, the coach will be really close to you when you're doing something or you'll learn parts of it and then put it together. So for us, like, one of the big drops is, like, you do at the start is a star drop where you essentially are standing, like, out in a star position up high and then you have to let go of the silks catch them between your legs and flip really terrifying because you have to let go so there's no there's no holding at all for that one but you start like basics like learning how to get up there how to hold the position and then they get you to do it with an assist so someone stands next to you and then you get to do it with one hand and then no hands 
It's all progressive stuff. Similar to like what we do with physio, it's all progressive loading. And I found, I mean, I was petrified on my first start drop. I actually think I squealed so bad. Yeah. And I actually think I like didn't want to come out of it. I was like, no, 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 I don't want to do it. They're like, Kate, you can't come back out of it. Yeah. You have to fall out of it now. And I was yeah. like, oh God. But I did it and I was like, yes. Yeah. So brave. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so outside of all these things, like I know that you're really passionate about women's health. Um, mm. What made you specifically so passionate about women's health? Um, so I was in my final year of physio and I had a few clients come through in the student clinic who were getting hip injuries and they had just, I think two of them had just started running again after had having a baby and then one was like a year post having her first baby. Um, I did heaps of read up because you have to at uni to like learn about new things and I started asking questions because we're just not taught much about pregnancy or postpartum health at all at uni. I reckon there was maybe like one day of lectures on Pilates and that's about it. Um, so when I realized that I was like, oh, there's not really much known to the public. It's not an area that people are heaps familiar with or even know that they should go to a physio after having a baby, um, even if they're not in pain. Um, I realized it was kind of an area that could definitely benefit from more physios, better care and more evidence-based stuff. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna go out and do that. So within, I think the last week I was uh, studying, I went and applied for a job in a women's health and sports clinic I didn't apply for any other jobs. I was okay, just like, yeah. no, nah, I just want that one. Yeah. And fortunately, I got it. So I spent my whole first year as a physio learning from two of two really good women's health physios. Yeah. That was awesome. And they were very focused on running too. So that got me like, stuck in that area too, which I love. That's awesome. Hmm. So like, uh, what are some things that, you know, like a lot of women postpartum um, should be kind of aware of when it comes to, you know, if they're already active in like in the gym or like in sports training, like... Um, what are maybe some things that you see uh, like every day with clients coming in that they you know probably should stop doing or you know things along those lines yep so a lot of what I do with um, women postpartum is core and pelvic rehab which basically involves retraining abdominal muscles after pregnancy and re-strengthening around pelvis and glutes to better support hips because they go through quite a lot during pregnancy Um, it's really important to rehab appropriately and prepare for sport and exercise again I think that's where most women go wrong in that they often just sort of like wait the amount of time. So like, oh, I'll just wait a year before I start running or I'll wait six months before I start running without actually preparing their body to do that. Um, And a lot of people don't realize that the hormone uh, relaxin, which is a really important hormone in pregnancy, it actually helps to soften the ligaments of the pelvis to prepare for birth, but it actually stays in your body for up to five months after. So a lot of people don't realize that. They assume that baby's out, it's gone, but it's, it's still there. So during those first six months after having a baby, we really want to focus on establishing strength Um, around back, core and hips and managing your load appropriately. Too soon a return to exercise or too much load can just lead to problems that will spend six to 18 months resolving later. So it's better just do it off the bat and get stuck into it. Yeah. Now, like, I know that um, we see, like, especially if you're, you know, scaring throughout the internet, you can see some pretty crazy things around this sort of topic. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> what, are, what, are, what are some things that, like, people should just definitely not be doing straight after having had a baby? Because, like, I've seen the pretty crazy things out there. Oh, I think the main, what are some names I saw on Instagram the other day? I saw uh, a girl who's doing heaps of planks after having a barb, and I reckon she said she was two months postpartum. Like, it's a very highly individual thing. So, some people's rehab will be really good, and other people's rehab won't be great. So, I've had girls who can do higher level core stuff sooner, but there's also quite a lot who probably shouldn't be doing that because they've got ab separation or they don't know how to breathe properly, they don't know how to synchronize their core and pelvic floor. It's, yeah, it's highly individual, but the main one I see done really badly is um, like someone doing sit-ups or something like that, yeah. or they're doing like leg lowers and they've just got no core control. The classic way to tell, like if you're at home and you're doing some of these exercises, like you're doing like a leg lower or you're doing 
um, like a head lift or something, if you notice like a dome happening down the middle of your abs, especially around your belly button, that's kind of a clear indication that your core is not contracting properly, that you're not working it properly. That doming happens because you've got separation and those abs behind aren't providing a stable base. Yeah. So if you've noticed that, come and see if he's here. <laughs> so, uh, like, how does this apply to women who maybe have had multiple babies? Like, does that, does that, do they have an increased chance of, like, hurting themselves? Like, yeah. Yeah, so great that, question. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a great question. So it depends on, yeah, so rehab depends on how many kids you've had, how many pregnancies you've had, and also what happened during those pregnancies. So some girls carry very forward. So like, you know, you, you couldn't tell from behind that they were pregnant and that puts more force into the front of your abs. And some girls carry much more inside their pelvis because they've got like a tilted uterus. It very much depends on how close together pregnancies are and how um, heavy babies are as well because as to how much tummy grows and also what you do after. So classic example, I had a girl who she's had her bub and then four months later she's pregnant again. And that means that the relaxin has probably not left her body at all. So she'll just, her body will be exposed to relaxin for like, you know, a good, oh, what's that, 21 months essentially. Yeah. Which is a long time to be under that. So training her, we're just, we're focusing a lot on making sure that she is activating well through her glutes and her um, quads to support her knees because every ligament, like your body doesn't know that it's your pelvic ligament that it's softening, it's, it's all your ligaments. Yeah. So it's just a higher injury risk. And if you've had multiple babies and your cause had multiple stretching. So you kind of want to make sure that every time you've had a bubba that you're rehabbing in between. And what about on the opposite end? Like, are there things that women can be doing in the gym to, like, prepare themselves to, I guess, not suffer from, you know, some of the complications? If they're pregnant or, like, yeah. before pregnant? Before pregnancy. Before yeah. pregnant. So, I mean, the, the evidence around having ab separation and, like, what the factors are that mean that you'll get it is it's very iffy. So a lot of it's guesswork because obviously we can't test this stuff because people are pregnant and in not a lot of um, research is not allowed to be done on pregnant women because we don't know what's going to happen. Um, some of the factors that we uh, know increase the risk is like um, like bigger babies, multiple births, etc. But I think a lot of people think that ab separation doesn't happen to everyone when realistically most women by third trimester have some level of separation of the abdominals because the baby's got to go somewhere. So it's more a case of like what does it go back to after and then working from there so like before pregnancy you want to be focusing on making sure you know how to use your abs how to use your pelvic floor properly how to contract properly during pregnancy you want to make sure that you're following it an exercise program that's guided by a physio or obstetrician whoever um, preferably a team effort to make sure that you're looking after yourself during pregnancy and exercising correctly so like one of the biggest mistakes is people doing too much abdominal load during pregnancy we don't we don't i think there's not a lot of evidence that proves it's not a good idea but from a mechanics point of view it doesn't sound like a good idea you're just adding to that load when it's already stretched not a good idea yeah yeah it's like your classic is seeing people do like planks or um toast a bar whilst pregnant that kind of stuff that's a very big load on your abdominal area you don't want to be doing that whilst you're pregnant yeah mm. that's enough ladies <laughs> um so what is uh maybe like You've kind of given us a lot of information here around that sort of stuff already, but what's one training um, or exercise training protocol that you'd inform our listeners about um, that they could uh, maybe like involve, especially if they've already had a baby and they, you know, maybe aren't um, training, like they're not necessarily super like in the active community. Mm -hmm. um, like what's one thing that they could be doing to like uh, better their chances of like their core strength, um, you know, being strengthened without them doing any silly exercises. <laughs> I like that, silly exercises. Um, one of my favorites, and it's like the classic one I'll start straight off the bat with. So if someone's um, about to start core rehab, we'll get them just lying on the back with their knees bent. 
um, feet planted on the floor and just get them to practice breathing in, breathe out, draw up pelvic floor, draw abs together and belly button down and get them to try and slide one leg away, bring it back and let go. That's just a great way to start training that lower tummy control. And it gives you an idea, like if you see that doming happening during that, that's when you go, all right, I probably need to go to the physio, get it looked at and go from there. Yep, yep, oh, very good tips. Hmm. Now, um, uh, to all our listeners, we've been doing this with all the other physios. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you're out there and you're stuck on something to watch in Netflix, what's your Netflix recommendation for our listeners out there? So I think it was uh, yesterday afternoon, I found Chasing Perfection, which I think is a documentary and it's mostly about athleticism and what makes humans break away from the pack to be great and it's done by um, Michael Johnson who's a world-class sprinter I'm not I'm only halfway through the first episode but yeah it's good okay that sounds wicked actually yeah, yeah. it sounds like it's just cool to see like the level of what humans can do because often you don't think about it because you see that Olympic athletes you're like oh they're just really really good but this is this goes through all the science behind it and stuff too so yeah cool. that's cool I like it <laughs> awesome now if you want to find you Kate how can they do so uh, so I've got an Instagram page which is you can find me if you search Kate Henry Physio you can find my website Instagram Facebook I post a lot of running content me just wearing crazy activewear colors as well um, and answer lots of questions so if someone has a question about women's health just DM flick it through and I'll answer you awesome all right guys make sure to follow Kate Thank you very much for listening to the PhysioFit podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star review. And um, hopefully we'll have you on the podcast again. Sure will.